Good morning, everyone. Lovely to be with you this morning. Uh, it's <clears throat> both Frank and James away today, so they've just left me. So it's the Gareth show today, so I'm afraid it's my voice for the next hour, uh, but hopefully not while we're singing. Um, you're very welcome. We, we, we begin our service this morning with uh, our collect of the day. The collect is a gathering of prayers read out in Church of Ireland across the island. The collect collects all of our prayers together in a set of words to focus our minds and our hearts as we begin our worship. So we begin our service in prayer. O oh God, giver of life and health, whose Son, Jesus Christ, has called us to hunger and thirst for justice, refresh us with your grace, that we may not be weary in well-doing for the sake of him who meets all our needs, Jesus Christ our Saviour, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The reading this morning is Romans chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. And you'll find it on page 1135. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption as sons. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. Schools get quite, uh, school teachers get a break over the summer. They uh, slow down a bit, but I would also consider myself currently working in education, uh, working in youth work. We're, we're an education centre. We're funded by the Education Authority, the same way teachers are funded. However, the summer for us is when things get busy. We've got lots of things on. We are running summer schemes and programmes. We are, have a little bit of extra funding. And one of the advantages is, whilst we're so busy, is that we also get to go on a few trips. This year's my last year working in youth work uh, after 12 years in the, in the, in the sector. Um, and so I'm picking all the trips this year and not letting the kids have a say. I'm going to what I want to go to and what I've enjoyed over the past number of years. And so, or we're doing things that I've never done before. So on Friday, uh, I went paddleboarding because it's something I've never done before and have wanted to do. Um, Moira Lake, we went to Moira Lake to go paddleboarding. You're all, yeah, yeah, there is a lake in Moira. Um, just off the Soldiers Town Road, uh, it, it's a man-made lake. It was uh, made for fishing previously, but I think over COVID they, they struggled a bit. And so they've switched now for paddle sports or open water swimming. It's a safe and closed space. You fall in the water and it's only five foot deep so I can stand up and my head still pokes out. Um, but we'd never been paddleboarding before and we took 20 teenagers with us and none of them had been either. So you arrive in this lake and you get on a giant inflatable surfboard and you push yourself out and everyone's kind of struggling a bit to stand up and I thought I want to be the first person to stand up. So I stood up 
And as a teenager, I was on skateboards and things, and so actually standing up was quite straightforward for me. I took a lot of pride in being able to stand. Uh, and I remember thinking to myself, this is great, I'm standing up. But I looked over my shoulder, and nobody else was even attempting it. They were all on their knees or on their stomachs, too afraid to stand up. And they were all at this point still a little bit afraid to get wet and fall in. And I realized very quickly that if they were going to get wet, I had to get wet first. So I put on my best Tom and Jerry impersonation and did a great over-exaggerated fall, splash into the water. And everyone's nerves in that moment settled a little bit. And people were a lot more comfortable and confident knowing that they could try and fail and make a mistake. Because we do look sometimes to our leader for confidence. We look to the person uh, that we're following to, make, to see how they're feeling about the situation. And we match their energy to a certain extent. And this is very much true in, in, in all parts of education, especially uh, to, to children and to young people. And once I fell off, people were happy to stand and try. And by the end of the hour and a half, uh, everyone had their hair wet. One person lost his glasses. That was the worst of it. But everyone had their hair wet. Uh, and we're, we're swimming about in this lake. In this passage, we reach uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, where we, we, we hear a little bit about his heart and where his passion and his desire is. In the Church of Ireland, we have a thing called the lectionary, which is basically it's a collection of readings that go on a cycle every three years. The logic being that if we follow this book, that if you're here this morning hearing our passage from Romans 9, next week if you decided for some reason to go to Christ Church, where I'm going in September, that you would hear Romans chapter 10. The logic is that all, <coughs> pardon me, that all churches follow this same rhythm and pattern. And last week, our reading was brought to us from Romans chapter 8, and there was 13, 14, 15 verses. But David this morning, with his head screwed on, knew that this morning was only five verses. It was a nice, easy, straightforward one for him to get away with. But these five short verses mean so much. They mean so much to us. In fact, a theologian in the 70s, Stendhal, called this the climax of Paul's argument. Throughout all of Paul's writing, these five verses summarize the climax of his argument. For they are a description of him as a leader, as, as the person that people were following, for example, to see where his heart and where his mind was. It, it sees to us the beginning of a new section. As the, the first people heard this, they, they weren't hearing readings from Scripture as chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3, but those listening to the letters being read would have known breaks and sections. And this sees the beginning of a new section in Paul's work. We've just finished last week. Uh, of course, you all know, remember last week what we spoke about, uh, that we don't, have the, we don't have to have the right words, we don't need to be specially selected, and nothing can separate us from Christ. And after this, Paul brings us his heart. He brings us his words and he says, I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and anguish in my heart. In verse 2, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. 
This is a breakaway statement going away from there's hope for all of us, nothing can separate us, and then he comes out with this statement of I have great sorrow in my heart. He doesn't tell us yet what that sorrow is for, and before we get to that, let's look back over, let's summarize some of the beginning of the book of Romans. Uh, Chapters 1 to 3, we learn that all are under sin, Jews and Gentiles. We're talking about a a community that's that's coming into breaking new ground, meeting new people, breaking down some of the, the covenant laws that were set, and identifying that Scripture and God's love is for everyone, and that all of us under sin are equal. The Jews and Gentiles are equal, and ver- uh, chapters 1 to 3 remind us that even things like circumcision give no advantage in salvation, that there is no advantage being circumcised or not. Then we get uh, verse uh, chapters 3 and 4. We see that right standing uh, with God is more important than Old Testament sacrifice, then, then what we bring to the altar is not as important as having a right standing with God, that nothing separates us anymore and that sacrifice is no longer required. And then in uh, chapter 5 to 8, we are reminded again that blessings for Israel are given to all people, to all people equally. Now, this letter was written to, to the people in Rome, of course, the Romans, uh, And there was an interesting mix of people there because there were the Jewish people who felt that as they were circumcised, they were more righteous in God's eyes than others. They felt that they were the chosen ones, the select ones, and they felt a little bit confident in that. Yet in this community, there were more Gentiles than Jews. And those Gentiles felt that because they were the the dominant voice, the dominant uh, people in that community, they felt they had the priority of a voice. Yet Paul's letter sets everyone equal. He sets them all as equal in God's eyes and in God's plan. That there is nothing which raises us above or below another person, middle class, working class, whatever background it is, nothing divides us in God's eyes. This is the context where they've reached with this passage. And then Paul in saying we are all equal, we are all given the same blessing, says, but I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. A deep pain and hurt. Verse 3 reads this, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers and sisters, those of my own race. His anguish is so great that he would be cursed for his kin. That for him, the most important thing is the other people around him. That as a leader, he was sacrificing and happily would have sacrificed himself and how he looked for his brothers and sisters around us. And in verse four, <laughs> I always think it's strange. If we look at that, there's, there, 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 the break in the verse as numbered in our modern numbering breaks in the middle of a sentence. There's a comma and it breaks. Verse three, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers and sisters, those of my own race. Then verse four begins, the people of Israel, full stop. 
in verse 4, we learn that actually the thing which causes anguish in his heart more than anything else is his brothers and sisters who do not yet know Christ. Those who think they're from Israel, but do not yet know and love God. For those that uh, theirs is the adoption of sons, theirs the divine glory, theirs the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple, the worship, and the promises. Yet still they are separate. For Paul's anguish and heart breaks for the people around him who are separated from God's love. Separated from what is offered. Because there is so much on offer. He says, why I my heart is broken for these people because they don't realize that theirs is the divine glory. Theirs are the covenants. Theirs are the laws. They have the temple, the worship, the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. And from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all forever praised. Amen. He says, look how much there is to offer. Yet they don't know Christ and they are separate. And Paul is heartbroken. I want to talk a wee bit about my job. Because my job is a... There's not many jobs like mine in the country. It's, it's, it's complex in terms of who I work and where I work, who I work for. So I want to explain a little bit what I do as I get into my last two weeks uh, of working there. So I kind of work for a church, but I'm paid by the education authority. So I work in a youth center in a loyalist estate, just in behind Portadown College. If you know Portadown, just in behind Killacamain Estate. I went to my first ever bonfire this year. That was a new experience for me. And in that environment, in that estate, uh, there is a church, St. Patrick's Church Hall, which has now been converted into a youth center. In there, we welcome young people from the local community, from the estate, from the surrounding area, and we invite them in for youth programs and activities. Those, whilst we are a church management group, we aren't really allowed to talk about our faith. Because we're funded by the Education Authority, we aren't really allowed to have that conversation unless the young people bring it up with us and, and invite that conversation in. It's a, it's a difficult, tricky place to be in because quite often you want to to minister with Church of Ireland views on many of the complex issues in society. However, yet there's still a, another voice there pulling you a different direction. And so it's a complex place to be in. We have, on a regular night, we have around 40 to 50 teenagers come through our doors. Quite often, I'll work between 6 o'clock and 9 o'clock. And there'll be 40 to 50 teenagers arrive in our doors. And there's a varying degree of young people arrive in. You have young people arrive in and they have been home, they've done their homework, and now they've come out to youth club in the evening for a few hours and they'll get picked up. And there's other young people who haven't been home since they finished school. That they got a meal in school that was funded through the education authority and then they'll come in to us and try and find food for their dinner from us as well. That they will come in and get a few luxuries from us, uh, such as uh, female personal hygiene products that they don't necessarily have access to at home in the same way, and they'll come and they'll get that from our youth center and from our provision. Uh, there'll be young people who come in that will choose to spend their money on recreational activities 
and spending that money on the food that they, or, or their provision, or their clothes. Or some of them will just spend their money in clothes, and that's what they'll prioritize. But there is such a diverse range and mix of people come through our doors. It's a great uh, look at, at culture and society in this small intake of young people. And over those four years, I've got a great love for these teenagers. I really, as a father loves their son in many senses, I care for them very deeply. And I'm leaving in a couple of weeks and I'm really struggling with it. I'm really struggling to leave my job because I understand how Paul feels here. Because there's an anguish and hurt that these young people don't yet know or love Jesus. That in everything I do, I try and bring Jesus into that conversation. In everything I do, everyone knows my background. They know that I'm here on a Sunday morning wearing this. Uh, I have a collar, spare collar, in case I'm called out to anything or need to wear a collar that sits on my desk. And it kind of sits there more for the young people to see that that's my other role than it is for me. Because it starts conversations, but I have an anguish and hurt in my heart leaving these young people. And I, 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 I empathize with Paul in this passage, knowing that he is speaking to a group of people that he loves dearly that don't yet know and love Jesus. And these past few weeks are changing my faith incredibly. For I set this morning the challenge of, if you were to be separated in the next month or two, if you were told that a loved one was moving to Australia, if you were told that a loved one was, uh, uh, there was a family division and you weren't going to see part of your family anymore, if you had a friend who was leaving you to go away, how do you feel in that moment? How is it that you feel being separated from the people you love? Have we brought Jesus into everything we do, giving every opportunity to sacrifice ourselves for other people? Are we doing all that we can, looking at the community around us, looking at our family, looking at our friends, to know that God calls us, that Christ calls us, that Paul's leadership sets this example for us, that if we were to be separated, how would we feel? Do we bring Christ into all of our conversations, in all of our actions, in all of our words? Do we look at the people behind us leading us, that, 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 are, that, are, that are following our example? And that is such a difficult challenge. My faith is seriously being changed over these few weeks, this new perspective on this passage. And let me tell you, there is a need and desire for all of us to do this. There is a need and desire for all of us to go into our communities. All of our hearts should be broken the way Paul's heart is broken. We should all be in anguish. We should all be feeling great sorrow. Because our brothers and sisters around us don't yet know the love of God. The great, immense love that changes lives, that transforms us for the better, which offers us hope beyond anything we could ever imagine. That is what we look towards. And there is a need for us as brothers and sisters to bring that to our siblings, as parents to bring to our children, whether they are your own children or adopted children within your community. There is a need for us as 
sons and daughters to bring it to our parents. There is a need as, as nieces and nephews to bring it to our aunts and uncles. And as aunts and uncles, there is a need for us to teach our nieces and nephews. There is a need for our grandparents and great-grandparents to teach our grandchildren and great-grandchildren this. There is a need for our grandparents and great-grandparents to learn from their grandchildren and great-grandchildren. In all of this, we should be feeling a heart of love for the people around us. For if we truly, truly love the people around us, we want to offer them everything. I I gave my kids more sweets than the other kids this morning because I love my kids more than I love the other kids. Sorry, that's true for all parents. And in that, we know that we love our, our kids so much that that's the love that God loves for us and the love we should be giving everyone. That it would break my heart for me not to share these things with Patrick and Eden because my love for them is so great. That that is the love we must bring to the people around us. That is the love that we must offer. And so the challenge that we have this morning, because doing that is hard, because for to do that, we must sacrifice ourselves. We must be willing to sacrifice something of ourselves to offer this hope to other people. Paul cries out in verse three, I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers and sisters, those of my own race. That is the challenge this morning, folks. That is the challenge to all of us. That we must be willing to have that desire to be cursed and sacrificed ourselves for our love for other people. So this morning we ask, when was the last time that you sacrificed yourself for someone else? When was the last time that you gave up something of your own? Financially, in terms of our time, in terms of our effort and energy, in terms of our health, when was the last time you saw another person around you and were willing to sacrifice yourself for that person? I drive past people at the side of the road with uh, flat tires and every time I'm challenged, should I stop for them or not? Or how would it feel if I pull up in, I've got quite a racy car at the minute. You know, how would I feel as a, I look like a bit of a boy racer if they pulled up beside and offered to change their tire. And by the time I come to the conclusion of, yes, I'm going to stop, I'm past them and it's already too late. When's the last time we sacrificed ourselves for someone else? Gave up our energy, our effort, our time for someone who really needed it. That is how Christ sacrificed himself for us. In a love greater than we'll ever know, that is the example we must follow. The example of Christ, the example of Paul, the example of so many great leaders before us, knowing that there is a hope in heaven greater than we can ever offer, a hope that we look towards, a hope that we must never forget, a hope that we will always remember in our hearts this day and evermore. Finish uh, this morning's with a blessing. Uh, please do stay for tea and coffee. Let me be the first this morning to offer. If there's anything anyone needs this morning, if there's anything we can help you with, let me be the first to offer. If I can sacrifice myself in any way for you this week, do come and let me know. I hope our 
brothers and sisters around us will do the same thing and make the same offer. But if there's anything this week that I can do to be of support for you or your family or the people around you, please do get in touch. And as we go out, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen. May the blessing of God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you all this day and evermore.